Welcome to Crash Chords Autographs. Today, Matt welcomes singer-songwriter Khaled Dajani from New York City. Recently having released an EP under the moniker Songs for the Birds called Volume 1 and an album called Lucy under his given name, Khaled chats with Matt about his early influences and when he first started writing. They dive into the evolving New York City music scene, into how social media can be both a blessing and a curse for the modern musician, and into his versatility and love for all or most genres. Even telling Matt the origin of his band name, Songs for the Birds, here's presenting Matt Storm and Khaled Dajani. Welcome to another episode of Crash Chords Autograph. Today my guest is Khaled from Songs for the Birds. Um, thank you for doing the show today, man. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, I, we went through some trials and tribulations trying to get the schedule, but I'm glad we finally got on the books. Um, I appreciate your forwardness. We first met, and this is mostly, you remember how we first met, but the audience does not. Um, we first met at the way station, which I've talked about many a times. You were very forward to come up to me and give me your card, and so then I gave you mine. And um, so um, you guys were great that night, and I'm, I'm stoked to uh, see you guys in the future. And um, I got to actually spend some time with Volume 1, the EP that came out, and I adore it. I think it's, the thing that's interesting to me about it is I hear a lot of, artists compared to and, to and having influence from the Beatles, but there are specific songs on this album that I could swore came off an old 70s or even 60s Beatles record, you know, just the quality and the, the care and the, the, the brightness of it. So, um, so great, great stuff on that. I, I really dig it. Um, Thank you very much. Yeah. We, we tried to, we tried to go very oldie style on this for sure. Try to keep it simple, melody based and, and uh, yeah. Um, how long was uh, Volume 1 in the works? So, Volume 1, I want to say it was probably, like, actually, it's funny, because it's only six tracks, like, what, 16 minutes worth of listening, but it was probably two years in the works. So, what went, what happened was I was working on a, a rock song, and, mm-hmm. with, like, while working on it, um, the, the, the verse, the chords for the verse for Stay, um, came in, and I was like, oh, wow, this sounds really bluesy. It sounds like a lot of fun. I, I'm just going to work on it for fun. And uh, wrote the song, went out to Red Bank, New Jersey, with uh, Jason Cummings, who who produced the album. Um, we went out there, we recorded it, and I'm like, wow, man, this, you know, this, this sounds like a lot of fun. I kind of just want to write a bunch of songs in this vein. This is something I've never done before. So so that was the key. So then throughout, so it probably took like a few months to record, to write all the songs and then just to get them recorded, that was really the long process. So just like mm-hmm. to be able to coordinate one schedule time, like actually really mostly between me and Jason and um, just coordinate our time together and figure out studio time and, you know, lives getting in the way, um, that that took the longest time. Uh, but overall, I would say it was like about a year and a half to two-year process. Wow. I'm always interested how artists, well, I go through the recording process because there's so many different ways you can do it now, especially when you're someone writing solo versus someone writing with a group. And it's just, there's so many variants. Um, 
the first thing I wanted to ask specifically about Volume 1 is one of my favorite songs off the album is Under the Boardwalk um, for a few different reasons. One, of course, being it's an instrumental, and there are just not a lot of really cool kind of low-key acoustic or, like, light rock instrumentals that I hear that much anymore. A lot of it, I feel like there's this need to put lyrics over something beautiful like that. What Was that always going to be an instrumental, or is that something that you just kind of evolved into that? No, it was always going to be an instrumental. I think that um, I've, I've made a habit of any um, record that I release, there will always be at least one instrumental on there. It's just a mm-hmm. thing that I do for some reason. And um, you just, I don't think sometimes music, just, you just don't need words. And there's a time in the writing process that I have that I just I realize very quickly, I'm like, okay, clearly this is not going to have any words. The music speaks for itself. The music carries the imagination here. Words should not interfere. Do you find that writing instrumentals is more difficult than writing something with lyrics, or is it something just completely different? Uh, I think it's different. It depends. Um, it, it depends on the instrumental. So Under the Boardwalk was challenging at first simply because I hadn't written in that style before. I knew the overall feel that I wanted when I first started working on it. I didn't know how to take it there, and so that was it was a long process. Other instrumentals I've written in the past, um, just because I was so familiar with the style, I was able to pull them off really, really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, and then the same thing with with songs with uh, with lyrics, right? So you start like "Stay" was so easy to write, like that took no time at all. Um, and then there's another song on the record which is um, I think "Good Night." That one took a little while to write, even though like it's it's a simple song, but just trying to find the right words and how to fit them in and make it fit the mood and all that kind of stuff, like it, it's a process in your head. So I would say between all, between both of those types, you know, instrumental and with, with lyrics, uh, it's different. It's it's different from piece to piece. And do you find that your process for it runs differently from song to song too? Like, do you often start with a concept or lyrics or a narrative before you put the other music? Is it the other way around or does it vary? Most of the time I go music first. Mm-hmm. And uh, so at that point when I start music first, I quickly make the decision. I'm like, okay, this is either going to be instrumental or not. Mm-hmm. And if I make the choice to be instrumental, um, you know, we go that path. If I make the choice to go with lyrics, generally speaking, I, w- I like to, um, depending on what part of the song I write first, whether I, like, worked on the chorus first, I'm um, like, oh, cool, you know, I'll put some melodies on top of it. I'm like, oh, it sounds like this can be a chorus, so let's let's work that out this way. Or this sounds like it could be a verse. Where can I take it from here? But I'll generally write melodies over the music while I'm working, but I won't write words until the song is absolutely done. I'll have an idea of what the words are going to be, but I won't write words until it's done. Interesting. It's, it's funny, you know, no matter how many musicians you talk to, the process is almost never completely identical. Everyone kind of finds a way that works for them. And I think that's fascinating about the writing process that you kind of mold it to what you need it to be. There's no right or wrong way to do it. Absolutely. Um, the next thing I wanted to ask is let's go back into your past a little bit. How early did you start uh, playing guitar or writing, singing music? Was it something you've always done or something you got into later? I, uh, I started out probably like around 11 years old. Um, okay. My best friend growing up, uh, he got a guitar for Christmas, and I was like, whoa, you know, that's not real. He's like, no, that's definitely real. <laughs> we pulled it out, and I was like, wow, this is really a guitar. 
And uh, we sat next to a speaker. He played on some Nirvana, and he starts playing uh, about a girl. And I'm like, wow, I can't believe that's not coming out of a speaker. And it's coming out of an instrument. It was the first time I ever heard, or like at least in my memory, that I heard someone playing a live instrument in front of me that wasn't a full band that was so far away or anything like that. So um, that's as far as I can remember. And then shortly after that, I you know, begged my family for a guitar. I'd go over to my friend's house and play guitar with them. And um, just like trying to create was just like a natural process. I just immediately tried to create something, regardless of how horrible it was at the time. And a lot of it was. But... <laughs> Um, yeah, man, I started around 11 o'clock and it, or not 11 o'clock, sorry, when 11 years <laughs> old. And, uh, just throughout time, I probably started taking it seriously, um, like late high school. And then, um, the past, man, I want to say like seven, eight years were like, I really, it was just music consumed everything. And um, back then and even now, who would you say your strongest influences were? I mean, obviously we talked about the Beatles before, which is clearly an influence on your writing and your style. But besides an obvious choice like that, what other kind of bands did you look to for your inspiration within a similar genre or even outside of it? I listen to so much random stuff. Like, I grew up on heavy metal, mm-hmm. and now somehow, like, I find myself – I grew up on heavy metal and rap and, like, Michael Jackson and things like that. But throughout the years, if I was going to call out bands, like, or just acts, there's so many, um, like, anything, like, Tool. I love Tool. Tool changed my life. Uh, Perfect Circle, Zeppelin, Rage Against the Machine, System of a Down, like, anything, like, hard rock like that, I was always in love with. And then there was, uh, like, there was a bunch of R&B. I was in Usher for a long time. Um, And uh, D'Angelo... Um, and then <laughs> listen to Tupac, DMX, uh, Beatles, obviously, uh, Michael Jackson. I listen to a lot of classical music. Um, and then a lot of flamenco, like Paco de Lucia, is, this dude is a god. So oh, wow. uh, he, he's a big influence on my life. And actually, recently, I listen to a lot of house music. Um, and then in terms of, like, current bands, like Mute Math, is, they're great. Um, I can't even think of, like, who... Um, can't even think of like who else I'm really listening to these days, but I'm kind of like all, all, all over the spectrum, you know, at this point. Um, you know, before when I was younger, I remember we used to, the the genre that you listened to was like a badge that you wore. Yeah. And, and now, like the older I get, I'm just like, you know what? I just want something to to, to get a rise out of me, to, yeah. to really make me feel something. Um, but when I think about like how I compose, I would say bands like um, Paco, Tool, Beatles, if I were to put all those three, and three totally different types of music, um, but I would put those all together and be like, okay, Beatles had the melody, Tool had the intensity, they just knew how to build tension, and Flamenco is a little bit of both. It was able to combine melody and tension in one and just do it instrumentally. Um, and obviously there's singing involved, but um, it was done so simply. It's like a guitar and someone like, you know, providing a little, little percussion. So, I mean, it's apparent when listening to volume one that there are influences from different places. Even though the sound is clearly of a, of a genre, there are things within it, intricacies that come from other places. Um, I think that you're, you're, wide berth of listening to different bands is probably what makes your writing so engaging. Because I feel like 
You're right, absolutely. When I was younger too, it was like you were a metalhead or you listened, to, you know, you were a hip hop head or, you know, you were very much specifically pigeonholed into listening to a type of music. But right. I grew up listening to a lot of heavy rock and alternative rock, but I loved rap. You know, I grew up listening to Busta Rhymes and, and, and yeah. Biggie. And it was just as a kid, it was like, well, you can't tell people that. You have to, you dress like a metalhead. You have to only listen to metal. It's kind of nice that in the modern generation with the internet and, and, and all of this access to music that that seems to be less and less. People still fall into those those genre pigeonholes, I think, but mostly everyone's kind of versatile at what they listen to. And I think that's paving the way for a much more interesting music landscape, especially in the indie scene these days. Um, the next thing I want to talk about a little bit is the band uh, Songs for the Birds, a very unique and memorable name for a band. Where did that come from? Is there, do you, is there a story <laughs> behind that? Yeah, it's kind of a joke, actually. Um, so so when I was hanging out with Jason throughout the summer uh, while we were, like, working on this album, there was – I can't remember. We were in Washington Square Park in the city, and I'm pretty sure that's where it went down, but – I was, we were talking about something, and it's probably music-related and being in a band, and I was basically telling like, you know what, man? Forget this stuff, and, like, that stuff's for the birds. This, this, all this stuff's for the birds. Like, going to work and doing a nine-to-five, or, like, you're yeah. trying to do music and be a musician, that shit's for the birds. All the, uh, excuse me, let me make curse. Yeah, that's um, all right. <laughs> um, so, it all started with that joke, and then the more I thought about it, I'm like, wait. Even these songs, like, these songs were never meant to, at first, when I first took this on, I was like, it was never meant to be a serious thing. It was just like, okay, I'm going to write a bunch of love songs, stuff to the birds, you know? And then the more I got into the process, I was like, I kind of love these songs. They're great. And uh, I really enjoyed writing them, and I enjoyed performing them. Um, so it was just meant to be this thing where it's like, okay, you know, why do we do music in the first place? And what makes people love music is these little moments when you see, you know, people dancing or looking at someone across the room and falling in love and all this kind of stuff. And it's, you know, that you hear the term lovebirds and things like that. So it came from that joke and then that notion that, like, you know, we're doing all this stuff and it's for the birds. They'll, 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 they'll consume it and they'll love it and, and everything will be great and everyone will be happy and it's love and all that. <laughs> So, yeah. I find that, like, a lot of the best band names come from a joke or a single moment, not from, like, planning and meticulous decision-making. Like, it feels more natural, I guess, from the heart when stuff like that spurs a certain nomenclature. Yeah, absolutely. Um, next thing I wanted to ask you, so you're, you're, you currently live in New York. I've seen you play in New York. Have you always been a New Yorker, or is this where you were born and raised? Oh, no, man. I was uh, born and raised in the Middle East, came to the U.S. when I was uh, wow. 16. Uh, we've lived in Pittsburgh for a while, then lived in D.C. for a little while, and I've been in New York for almost about 10 years now. Wow. What do you think about the music scene in New York? It is not um, – it's weird, man. Like, I maybe I just don't know enough where to go, but, like, I've seen mm -hmm. a lot of blues. I've seen a lot of jazz, lots of jazz, uh, a lot of funk. I've seen a lot of, like, indie musicians. Um, I don't – often see a ton of rock musicians and I just don't know if I'm going to the right places or not. And I'm talking about like smaller bands. Mm -hmm. um, but then um, I've seen, I've seen uh, R&B and rap shows. So it's great. There's, there's a little bit of everything and I just never really know where to go for 
um, for certain types of music all the time. But like, for example, like if I, I know Rockwood is always going to be, can be like uh, funk or singer songwriter, indie. Like I'm, I know if I go to Rockwood, I'm definitely going to find that. Sure. Or pianos, I'm going to find a little bit of everything. Um, so, but overall, man, there's a lot of talented musicians here. Uh, and I think one of the reasons I came to New York to begin with was like I knew, I'm like, if I'm ever going to get better as a musician or a performer, I need to up my game. And where better to do that than New York, where a ton of amazing musicians live? And this place ups your game. You have to. Um, so I think the music scene here is, is thriving. It's huge. It's very it's a lot of competition. It's cutthroat, and uh, lots of cool things to draw inspiration from. Um, how did you end up connecting with the Way Station to um, or hearing about the Way Station to perform there? I, I had a friend who um, I had a friend who I met through the uh, singer songwriter circuit. His name is Xavier Cartridge. He's also a very cool guy, very cool musician. And uh, he he passed on the opportunity to me. He's like, hey, man, you ever heard of the Waste Station? I was like, no. He's like, well, you should write this guy, and you should play there. I'm like, all right, I guess I'll do that. And uh, made it happen. Awesome. Yeah, I find that it's, the Waste Station is a very unique and interesting music environment because the way Andy kind of curates it, it's just as long as you're a good musician, it doesn't matter what you're good at. He just wants to bring good quality local music to that bar, and I think – there aren't as I feel like there aren't as many bars or at least as many obvious bars that do that as yeah. well or as much. I feel like besides the ones you know, the venues you were mentioning earlier, it it's um you know, there are a lot of multi purpose bars and they'll kind of put on whoever depending on the scene and the way station kind of curates an interesting mix of music, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I think um I think it's important if you're gonna run a bar that has live music and waste the way station is it is a venue, you know. Yeah, totally. so I think I think it's important to be able to curate um, curate properly because it, it affects it affects the vibe of your bar and it affects the uh, um, it affects the scene that's coming in. It affects all many things. So sure, the radio yeah. station does an amazing job of that. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, the the next thing I want to talk about a little bit is so you, you're making music in an age where especially for indie musicians, you know, the internet is the way you get your music out there from Bandcamp to Spotify to, you know, just Facebook and Twitter. Do you find that social media has helped your experience as a musician? Does it frustrate you as a musician? How do you feel about social media's power to, to help promote and the internet's help power to promote music in a modern age? So I think some people are natural at it. Um, mm -hmm. I've seen musicians who, um, they they got their start on on social media and they just they just know how to their personality their performance style everything about the way they do their social media and how they put out content it's like they're born for it um, so I think for them it's it's a great tool and um, it, it's 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 super helpful for me personally I'm not that kind of guy I I'm a person who needs to be on stage mm -hmm. and that's the only way I can translate that feeling out. So I'm not the kind of person who knows how to plan out like, oh, okay, we're gonna do this video and like for example, what's the name of that band that um uh they did the uh some um what's the name, what's the name of that song? Somebody I used to know and they played on the Oh uh, go to oh oh um the oh you're talking about um the band that now I'm blanking on their name too, but we something on the earth, right? Oh, uh, walk off the earth. That's, that's off it, the earth. right? So like those guys, they're badasses at that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. 
I don't know how to do any of that stuff. <laughs> like, I suck at that <laughs> stuff. So in my mind, like, for me, it, it's an absolute hindrance. I use it for uh, promoting shows. Mm-hmm. But in terms of, like, building my presence, like, I don't really post anymore. Um, for me, it takes me out of the music. Like, at the end of the day, I write music because it makes me happy and makes people around me happy. Right. The social media stuff, like, if if I had the opportunity to um, have someone take care of that for me, I would do it because it it takes me out of it. So I think social media overall is a great tool. It's absolutely leveled. Uh, the music industry in the sense that, yes, anyone can create music um, and anyone can put it out there, but it also makes it super hard for anyone to find you anymore. Yeah. It's super hard to really determine what quality music is anymore, if there's such a thing as, like, what is quality music. But, um, you know, there's there's a lot of great tools and websites out there. For me personally, I don't like to use it to do – it just feels gimmicky to when I do it. Like, I feel like I'm doing a gimmick one, so I don't right. do it. Um, so I just want to get on stage and play. <laughs> that's, that's how I look at it. I mean, you know, that's not uncommon. I feel like even promoting a website like I've been doing in a podcast, it's, you know, I can't necessarily always think of something to post every day on my Facebook page, but whenever we have a new episode out, it goes up on the page. It's like creating original content, even just for social media. That's not an article that's like a post or, you know, a retweet. Like, it's just, there's a lot of compli- complicated uh, algorithms and kind of uh, strategies for it that I don't even quite have a grasp on yet. So I totally get that. It's funny that you mention um, Walk Off the Earth um, because I feel like viral music videos specifically are a thing that if you can, un- like, unwrap that package, you can go somewhere with it. Cause, I mean, it's, it's what gave, like, a band like OK Go a career. They were a great indie rock band that had no career because nobody cared about another indie rock band until they did a music video with treadmills and it went on YouTube, you know? Right. And yeah. so I feel like being able to tap into that is something unique. But just the same when you were talking about quality music, Music, I feel like now, because of all the access, has never been better, but it's also never, ever been worse because it's just such a wider scope now. And I feel like pop music especially is suffering for it because there's always been quality pop music, but it just feels like there's so much more slog because there's such a wider net cap. Yeah, no, I agree, man. I think um, it's hard. It's, It's so hard. Like, you... There's times where, like, I find incredible music out there, and I'm like, wow, I never would have found this band if I didn't have these tools. And then there's other right. bands, like, I'll hear a band, and I'm like, and teach their own, man. Like, it's it's great if you have, like, some kind of creative outlet. You, you can do worse things with your time. But then sometimes I'll hear a band, and I'm like, the fuck is this? <laughs> you know? But, again, teach their own. Everyone has a thing that they dig. Even, like, 8-bit music. I didn't realize that was a thing until I, like, jumped on Bandcap one time. I'm like, okay. Sure. This, some of this sounds really cool. It's very different. I can't personally drive in the car and listen to it, but <laughs> still very cool and innovative. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff out there I listen to. I'm just like, man, um, I, I, I just don't know. I have no words. <laughs> no words. Right. Um, my my follow-up question, going back to you talking about the different um, influences you've had and all the different kinds of music you listen to, have you ever thought about putting out other albums 
in other genres. I mean, since Songs for the Birds is pretty much your project and you kind of choose its direction, have you ever thought about dabbling in other genres that you are a fan of? Absolutely. So, um, so two things on that. Um, so there's my the previous project that was just my name, Kyle Dejani, that was more like rock and there's a little bit of Spanish, a little bit of Middle Eastern, a little bit of pop. So that was like, and even with Songs of the Birds, you can see this a little bit, right? So with with that with the Khaled project, it's rock, but there was a lot of influences being timed in just because I wanted like be able to write in different genres. Songs of mm-hmm. the Birds, for example, like. Listen to stay. That's more on the bluesy side of life, right? Listen to not always you. That's a little more like on the oldie side of life. Listen to watch mm-hmm. the weather. That feels like a little more country. So it's it it's that comes from the desire to be to want to be able to write that kind of like different genres. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also tried to do some electronic music. Um, I actually now like I'll every now and then like I have a, f- a few friends who are DJs. They'll ask me to come in and like do some tracking for them. So I'll I'll go do that. I'm trying to work on another project that's kind of like think Portishead meets Tool meets Radiohead in a sense, but really more Portishead, like trip-hop style. Interesting. Um, cool. And then, so there's, always want to be able to do it because like when I sit down and jam at home, I always find myself like writing all this weird stuff and I'm like, wow, I wish I had an output for this. Right. Because right now I can't fit this into Songs of the Birds or Khaled, for example. I have to find something else. But yeah, man, I would love to. I'd love to be involved in all kinds of projects. Anything, sure. anything but pop country. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I know it's a huge thing, but I just can't get into it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I hear you. I mean, I will admit that pop country is better now than it was. Like when I was growing up, um, I felt like it was just like unlistenable, especially a lot of just mainstream country. With a lot of it now, I mean, it takes a lot of heavy folk rock. And, and other pop influences. So at least there's like a connecting piece that I'll hear and go, oh, okay, I understand why people like this. But, uh, but it's a genre that I've always struggled with getting into. I've, I've listened, I've listened to almost anything else and be like, oh yeah, I can take this. And country's always been something that I lean more towards the folk side of it. I can't just listen to straight up country because it's just, I don't relate to it at all. You know? For sure. Yeah. Um, so volume one, uh, came out, uh, you know, last year. I imagine there's a volume two in the works. Um, when do you think you'll be releasing your next record uh, for for Songs for the Birds? Have you have you started writing that yet? We, by we, I mean me. <laughs> right yeah. <now>. Um, <laughs> yeah. So there, there's definitely some music in the works. There's no, there's no like tentative release date or anything like that at this yeah. point. At this point in time and in my life, it's more like okay, you know, when the uh, I'll. I spend time writing, like I'll spend time with my guitar, but I don't try to force it. It's just a matter of like when it comes and when you have the material, we'll do it. Um, if it doesn't come, it doesn't come. If it does, great. But there are a couple songs in the works. And uh, yeah, exactly. The reason it was called Volume 1 is be- the way I see it is it's always going to be Songs for the Birds, Volume, you know, A, B, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and see how, how far we can take that. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's an interesting way to do it because you're kind of not limiting yourself to specific format, I guess, and, and release style and schedule, labeling it that way allows people to keep track of it pretty easily. And also, you know, if you only write three more songs and you want to release three songs as volume two, you exactly. can. If you want to exactly. release 15 songs as volume two, you can do that too. You're not kind of pigeonholed to it has to be an album or it has to be an EP or, you know. 
that kind exactly. of thing. And and that was exactly the thought process behind it. It's like, look, at any point in time, we're going to do this. And it doesn't, you know, as much as many of us, you know, pre-2000s are old school and we like listening to albums and things like that, that's not the reality of the music business these days. And it's not the reality of your of the music listeners these days. And even me, as someone who enjoys listening to albums, I don't even do a lot of that anymore. It's very rare that I find an album now that I'm like, wow, I just want to listen to this all the time in consecutive order. I go back to the old albums that I used to listen to and do that, but I don't do it for a lot of stuff right now. So the idea is to keep it loose, to keep it dynamic, uh, and to keep... Um, to keep the release of music more efficient. So uh, at any point, like you said, it can be a song, it can be 15. It doesn't really matter. So um, then it, 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 when you package it up that way too, it's more like, well, this is this is the feeling of... And then if someone really wants to listen to it like as, a, as an album, then here's the feeling of volume one, here's the feeling of volume two, and you can see how someone progresses... Um, how, some, how someone evolves in their writing process for the given project that they're working on. So, yeah, that was the thought process. Um, let's let's shift gears a little bit and talk about the stuff that you've released under Khaled. Um, you know, I've, I've listened to a little bit of it as well, and it does have a harder edge to it. You know, it, it does seem to kind of have this interesting mix and sound. Um, when you were first writing the album, and I want to make sure I pronounce it right, is it Lucy or Lucci? Lucy. Lucy, okay, I thought so. No, I figured the second C would have to be for Lucy, but, you know, I already butchered your name off air, so I might as well be correct about the album and not try and make any, you know, oh, I know what this is. I'm no um, so when you were writing that record, um, what kind of state of mind were you in? Did you find that uh, that record was kind of harder to put together or easier than songs? I, th- I feel like they're very different projects, so I imagine the writing style and process would be very different too, right? Yeah, that was um that was a super ambitious project. Um and it was how do I say this? Uh it was an ambitious project and you know, it'll sound silly and you can see this on the Kickstarter video that I put out. Um you know, the idea was I wanted to put out one of the most influential rock albums out there. Right. And that was that was the thought and again it was like, okay, let's not pigeonhole ourselves to one kind of genre like technically like why am I just doing... I don't want to do a bunch of songs that sound the same. I don't want to write an album ever that has a bunch of songs that sound the same. Um, so that... I had never had the opportunity to ever go into the studio without any kind of funding restrictions, time restrictions, any kind of restriction. So right. when we when we came into this project... Um, well, when I came into this project, I was more like, okay, look, you know, no restrictions... Let's let's take this as far as we can go. Here's the type of music. Uh, here's the different songs we're gonna do, and uh, let's let's roll it and see what happens. So, um, I I went up with the songs to to Jason. He also produced our album, and we talked about every single song. Look, okay, here's the mood that we want for each song. Here's the overall mood for the album. It's supposed to be a concept album, and uh, let's see what we can do with it. So it, it was challenging to write the songs because. Um, they're not they're not all like you know two three minute songs they're not all simple there's a lot of there's a lot of guitar work in it um nothing crazy like shredding or intricate like you know dream theater or whatever but um the, there was a lot of there's a lot of thought put into it um so and then you have to deal with you have to deal with 
giving up a part of the song. So I had never like really worked with someone like Jason before. It was always like right. going through the studio and just do whatever you have in mind. This time around, I was like, okay, hold on. I'm going to put trust into a person to take this song. Like they're going to take whatever vision that I put in place and take the song, and then they're going to be able to contribute to it. So that's what we did. So the process of writing the songs is difficult just because that's the process of writing songs. Then the process of recording, producing, and like planning all that stuff was difficult because you know you're coming in and you're allowing someone to take over. Uh, I had mentally already prepared for that to basically right. say, okay, listen, we're the only way you're ever going to hear something different outside your head is let someone else contribute to it. Um, but it's still challenging. And uh, it was a great, great learning experience. And if there's anything I can ever tell anybody in any kind of creative task, the one thing I learned from that and this whole shebang is you better not have an ego in anything you do. And if you do, <laughs> forget it. Like, fuck you and your ego. Don't have one. Just go work and uh, just make sure you do your best and put your heart into it. So that was the biggest learning experience for me. I'm kind of like jumping all over the place because... <laughs> Like I'm at work and I'm leaving right now, but that was the biggest learning experience from that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I honestly prefer with the people I'm talking to to kind of jump around a little bit because, you know, I'm trying to – I feel like there are too many podcasts to go on a flight tangent. There are too many podcasts out there that when they interview somebody, it's like question, answer, question, answer, question, answer. And even I have a doing that sometimes, but it's nice when you can kind of get a conversation going because I want the person I'm interviewing to feel comfortable and – you know, I want to just, I want to talk, you know, I mean, who wants to talk about themselves for an hour anyway? You know, I don't. I don't right. think anyone, you know, so it's this idea that, you know, you're you're indulging in a thing that you, you don't want to make it at least sound natural and comfortable. So I try not to take myself too seriously or the interviews because I feel like that breeds a better conversation, you know. I forgot we were even recording. This just sounds like a conversation. <laughs> See, so that's that's kind of what I'm going for. You know, I've I've been doing this for over a year, and I, there are a lot of podcasters that I idolize, like Chris Hardwick and uh, and Bill Burr, and you know Mark Maron, and they're all people who interview in a way that you you forget that you're like you kind of feel like you're in the room sitting at a table chatting with people. I think that conveys more honesty and sincerity, yeah. especially when you're talking about music. Like that's everything that I love about songs for the birds is that. It, it, there's not an ounce of insincerity in the music at all, you know? You can tell that it's completely from your heart and it's completely honest, you know? And I think that that carries a lot of weight, you know? I appreciate that, man. Um, I appreciate that very much. It was one thing about you know, doing a creative endeavor. Like you said, it needs to be honest. If it's not honest, it's going to come through. People are going to hear it, feel it. And uh, I... It's very hard. Sure. Put something out there like that, and uh, you know, and try, try and hope for the best. But let me, let me ask you a question right now. Sure. Do you think Chris Hardley has a podcast? He does. He has had a podcast. He was one of the forerunners for creating podcasts. It's called The Nerdist, and uh, okay. he interviews all sorts of people: musicians, comedians, you know. Uh, actors, actresses. Um, he does it with two other co-hosts most of the time, and sometimes they'll do an episode just with the him and the co-hosts, who are both comedians. Um, and it's, it's what I've always loved about it, listening to it, is it, it just feels very natural. Like, they, they self-deprecate themselves, they pick on themselves, and they chat very openly, and it's not 
it's not an ego thing where a lot of interviews can be. It's very much just dudes chatting in a room. And I highly recommend it. If you've never listened to the Nerdist podcast, I, I highly, highly recommend it. I will, man. He's hilarious. Like, I watch that show at midnight. Yeah. And it's, first of all, a great idea. But, like, I, I, I knew him before, but I didn't know he had a podcast. I'm looking for that. Yeah, no, I, I highly recommend it. I pretty much attribute him and his book that he wrote, which he also wrote a book, so if you want to check that out, too. Yeah. Um, he wrote a like a kind of like a self help inspirational book about kind of getting your art and focus and your life together and that plus his his own podcast kind of inspired me to create Crash Chords and eventually create two different podcasts. Um, you know, on my other show that I do weekly is a, a album review show that I do with two co hosts. We uh, we each take turns every week bringing an album on the show and we review it. Um, and we break it down track by track, and every month we'll have a guest. So if you're interested in reviewing a relatively recent album with three other music nerds, I'd love to have you on that show as well. Yeah, dude, come in. I'll book that. Awesome. Um, we usually book for, like, the last Monday of the month, um, and I work a day job, so starting, you know, at 7.30, 8 o'clock is not an issue. Um, but I'll definitely reach out, and we'll we'll set up a date maybe towards the summer to have you on. I'd love that, man. That'd be great. Um, before we start wrapping up, I know you're wrapping up on your end, uh, heading home, but, um, if there was one piece of advice you could give artists who are listening right now, what would that be? I know you talked a little bit about the process before, but what would be the one thing that you would pass on to maybe help someone else creating art do it a little easier? Um, all right. So we talked a little about ego. So if yeah. you don't have an ego, <laughs> start check that at the door. Right. Um, be honest. Um, people appreciate feel awesome and uh, just remember like when you're doing this at some point you might get on stage and no one wants to see someone timid on stage you need to perform your heart out really it's not like you're an actor it's more like you're letting out that person that wants to be outside you know like so um, you're acting out your real feelings um, in a sense. So do that. Go crazy on stage. Have fun. Because, you know, what else you can do with slides, right? So even if you're writing, like, sad, depressing music, have fun doing it. Have fun performing it. Um, if you're writing crazy, fun music, great. You're already having a blast. And then the other thing I would say is um, when you're, like, for the writing process itself, whether you write alone or whether you write with other people, Having other people chip in is always good because it brings in new ideas. It brings in uh, kind of like a fresh blood to what you're doing. And then if you're writing alone, just make sure that you're in a non-distracted um, place. Just make sure you're, like, you're in a place specifically dedicated to music or it's a time you specifically set out music and then get yourself in a very uh, woosa mood. <laughs> Get yourself, uh, get yourself focused. Get yourself centered. Understand and reflect on what you're feeling in the moment. Really focus on that. Really think about it while you're there, and then start writing. And as you're writing, make sure all those things stick, and um, you know, let the music take you where it's supposed to take you. Because music doesn't lie. Music is time, and time moves forward and doesn't wait for anyone. So just roll with it. Keep going and see what happens. I like it. I think that's, that's stage wisdom from a from a musician, from one musician to other artists. Um, 
Um, uh, is there anything before we wrap up that you would like to promote? Obviously, songsforthebirds.com, where they can find everything about Songs for the Birds. Um, anything else you want to promote, upcoming albums, or, well, you said that you don't really say, but upcoming shows, maybe? Um, I wish that I can say there's an upcoming show. We're trying to plan one right now for May or June, so stay tuned to that. Uh, check out the social media. There's Facebook. Really, Facebook's the only one we have, but you can also find Songs for the Birds on Pandora, on Spotify, and SoundCloud, and Bandcamp, pretty much anywhere you look, Songs for the Birds should be there. So check it out, and if you like it, man, I hope you keep listening to it, and, you know, share it with your friends. Awesome. Well, thank you, Khaled, for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Matt, for having me. I really appreciate it. I will uh, personally be in touch about the other show. This will be out about two weeks from this coming Tuesday, because we have, I have one other episode on deck before before yours but uh, I will be sure to send you the link in the info when it's out thank you again for taking the time it's been a pleasure talking to you man to you too as well man thank you so much if you enjoyed these interviews please subscribe to this and the Crash Chords podcast on iTunes where you can also rate us and review us you can also like us on Facebook follow us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web our Tumblr and our YouTube channel if you have any questions or comments feel free to post in the comment area below each post and keep the discussion going because remember, music is life, and life is good.